Hey everyone, welcome to Home Alone and Comfortable as Heck, the podcast that takes a deep dive into canine behavior, building up alone time comfort, and helping improve the welfare of our beloved canine companions. In this podcast, we will discuss real-life tactics for modifying behavior, real alone time case studies, and help guide you through the emotional process of behavior change. So sit back, relax, and get ready to take the next step in your alone time training. Hey everybody, my name is Ali Verba and welcome to episode one of Home Alone and Comfortable as Heck, the podcast. On today's episode, we will be diving deeper into why does your dog have separation anxiety? But first off, full disclosure, I am equally as excited to be here as I am nervous as heck because I don't want to mess this up. This is something that I have had on my bucket list to do for so long now and I'm finally in just getting the ball rolling in the right direction. So bear with me with some potential growing pains, I am doing the best I possibly can. Before we dive into separation anxiety and why your dog might be suffering from separation anxiety, I wanted to give a brief introduction to myself and why you might find me here on the other side of your speaker. So I have been helping families all over the world attain their training goals since 2010. As of right now, my sole focus is on helping families attain their alone time goals. So what that means is I help families that have a pup with clinical diagnosis of separation anxiety. I help pups that have isolation distress, confinement anxiety, FOMO frustration, and many other separation-related problem behaviors. So if you have found that leaving your pup at home leads to potential vocalizations, destruction, etc., you are in the right place and I'm glad to have you here joining me. Before we dive into the hows and the whys, I wanted to take some time to talk a little bit more in detail about separation anxiety. So separation anxiety is something that can only be clinically diagnosed through your veterinarian or vet behaviorist. Separation anxiety is commonly referred to as an increase in fear, anxiety, or stress when an individual animal is left alone away from their designated family members. In addition to separation anxiety, given the state of the world, the pandemic, everybody sheltering in place, etc. I do see that separation anxiety is kind of taken on more of an umbrella term or a label that encompasses multiple other alone time problem behaviors. Some of those additional alone time problem behaviors include isolation distress, which happens to present very similar to separation anxiety. The biggest difference is that with isolation distress, typically managing absences is a lot easier because these dogs can often be left with a daycare, family members, dog walk etc and be fine when left alone whereas separation anxiety it wouldn't matter if there were five extra people or multiple dogs etc if that designated one or two persons was not available to that individual dog the panic would likely still ensue in addition to isolation distress I have also seen a big uptick in what we call FOMO frustration type of behavior when left alone FOMO frustration often in my experience is typically in cases uh, with new rescues or a rehoming situation or even a pup that hasn't been left alone for a while given the pandemic, new puppies, etc. The good news is, you guys, we don't necessarily need to know exactly what bucket or should I say multiple buckets your pup falls into because the common denominator across the board with these separation related problem behaviors is that the pup 
lacks comfort when left alone. So if we can focus our efforts on helping that individual build up comfort when left alone, by default, in my experience, that frustration or the anxiety or whatever might be going on with your specific pup will naturally start to decrease. Therefore, we can change the way they feel when left alone. First and foremost, let's talk a little bit about the common symptoms that come along for the ride with separation anxiety. And um, for ease of communication, I'm going to use the label separation anxiety, but please understand that that might indicate um, something aside from a clinical diagnosis, including some of those other separation related problem behaviors I just mentioned. So when it comes to common symptoms, the most important thing to remember is that every dog is an individual. Every dog is going to respond to alone time and respond to their underlying increases in fear, anxiety, or stress differently. The best way to think about it is think about a human situation. If we have three different humans that have a phobia or have increased levels of anxiety, oftentimes each of those three people are going to express those emotions differently. For example, one of those persons may um, decide to binge eat. Maybe that's their way of coping with the increase in fear, anxiety, or stress. Another one might choose to express that fear, anxiety, or stress through anger. Maybe they vocalize. Maybe they raise their voice. Another one of those people may just completely shut down and when they're experiencing an increase in fear, anxiety, or, or stress, decide to go into the bedroom and just hide themselves under the covers for days on end. So I question this to you, my listeners, which one of those people suffering from increase in fear, anxiety, or stress is having a harder time? It's hard to answer, right? There's really no way for us to say who is experiencing a higher or increased level of fear, anxiety, or stress. So when I'm talking about the symptoms, please understand that not every single dog is going to respond in the same way. Not every single dog is going to have all of these symptoms. Some of your dogs may not have any of these symptoms. So keep that in mind, please. So this is by no means an exhaustive list, but some of the common symptoms that I see that come along for the ride with these cases are an increase in vocalizations when left alone, um, sometimes destruction, defecation, urination accidents when the pup is otherwise potty trained, pacing and panting, drooling sometimes, and even attempts to escape, which might lead to self-harm. Please remember though that not every case is going to have all of these symptoms. Some of them might have one, some of them might have none. So just be cognizant that every dog is, again, very much an individual. When it comes to why this specific situation happens with some dogs, but not all dogs, the unfortunate reality is that seemingly we have done more research on this specific problem behavior than most others out there when it comes to our domesticated canines. But that having been said, we still don't have a specific one or two things to point our finger at when it comes to separation anxiety. Some of the research points to a potential genetic predisposition, uh, early onset trauma leading to a heightened fear response, potential learning experience that might lead to negative emotional response. But when it comes down to it, every dog is its own individual with their own experiences and there's not much we can do to predict or prevent this situation from happening at this point in time. 
So now that we know there is potential for genetic predisposition or early onset trauma that are kind of creating these situations for our pup, it's important to understand that it's a very real experience. When your dog is have, like suffering from an increase in fear, anxiety, or stress when left alone, consider it to be similar to what a human might experience. A human that is suffering from generalized anxiety or panic attacks, PTSD, things of the like. That having been said, when our dogs are experiencing these situations when left alone, remember that it's not them trying to be spiteful. They're not angry that you left. They likely feel like the world is closing in on them. And that's why we really need to take a systematic approach to helping change the way that they feel when left alone. All of this having been said, please don't worry that this can seem so daunting. Thinking about your dog having a genetic predisposition, some of you might feel like there's not any hope in the situation, but I assure you, I have helped hundreds of clients all over the world, clinical diagnosis of separation anxiety or not, reach their alone time goals. The process that we use is actually very, very similar to what a therapist or psychologist might use on a human patient to overcome fears and phobias. That process is called systematic desensitization, also known as gradual exposure. When we gradually expose our dogs to the scary stimuli, aka in this case, alone time, we can help change the way that they feel when left alone. So it may seem daunting in the beginning to think about, oh my gosh, like what are we going to do? My dog can't be left alone. He's having a panic attack, etc. Just know that we can make little steps every single day to help them feel gradually more comfortable. In addition to systematic desensitization or gradual exposure, some of the other things that we can do to help maximize our pup's behavior modification process is to start to decrease stressors outside of alone time. Many of these cases not only struggle with alone time, but also have an increase in stress outside of that, including stranger danger, generalized anxiety, um, leash reactivity, interdog conflict, etc. If we can work on managing those levels of stress or even working on on behavior modification to improve those levels of stress, what we can start to do is increase our dog's overall level of welfare, therefore making our behavior modification goals much more easy to attain. In addition to minimizing outside stressors, another huge bonus that can help us maximize our alone time comfort as quickly as possible is to refrain from quote-unquote real absences. The reason why this can be incredibly helpful is because when we're working on changing the way a dog feels, we're working on changing underlying emotions. If every once in a while your dog is left for a longer period than they can handle or pushes them into panic, you're going to create a conflicting situation in which sometimes these absences are safe when you're doing training and other times they're not when you're doing real absences and that can just really do a long drawn out process to the ultimate behavior change you're hoping to, to attain. So by removing these real absences you can create a very um, approachable situation in which your dog knows what to expect and knows that these aren't going to be scary therefore a lot of clients can hit their goals much faster. Well, folks, that about wraps it up for today. I know we are barely skimming the surface of separation anxiety and alone time problem behaviors, but there is much more learning to happen on the horizon. If you found this episode interesting, I highly encourage you to tune in next week, where we will not only be diving deeper into the process of alone time training, but more specifically, we will get started on first steps and how to start getting the ball rolling in the right direction for your alone time goals. 
Did today's episode leave you with any lingering questions? I would be more than happy to address them on my next podcast. Please send me any questions or comments pertaining to this episode via Instagram at Training with Allie and or on Twitter at Training with Allie. I'm very much looking forward to hearing from you. All links and information discussed on this podcast can be found in the show notes below. This podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any individual case. Please consult your veterinarian before adding to or modifying your pet's current treatment plan.